Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Bird of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. Welcome back to the 168 Podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined by, or with, we never know which one to do here. Joined by. Joined by Mitch Knight, or Mitchell Knight is the more formal version here, right? Yes. All right. Just as long as it isn't Michelle. Yes, okay. Make sure we don't make that mistake. Yeah, don't be my middle school substitute teacher. (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about the topic that we're going to be talking about as the theme of the student event that Clarence Church of Christ is hosting, uh, Merge Madness. And this, you're probably listening to this after that event because we're recording it before it actually happens. But the theme of Merge Madness is sufficient. And that terminology or that that word comes from uh, a theme that I pulled from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and looking at verses 9 through 10. And it says this. And so this is Paul, the Apostle Paul writing. He says, but he said to me, so talking about God to, to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And this follows the part where Paul describes that he has this thorn in the flesh. And there's a lot of debate about what that actually would have been or was. Uh, We're not really sure what it is. He doesn't, Paul doesn't really specifically say, but whatever it is, there's something that is definitely not comfortable for, for Paul and he even says that it's a messenger of Satan that that's to torment him. So it's definitely something that he perceives as like a hindrance to what God is calling him to do. And then he follows that up with saying like, my grace is sufficient for you. So that's where the, the theme sufficient comes from. And just we're encouraging students to focus on the sufficiency of who God is, of who Jesus is for our lives. And there's a lot of temptations in our world to, that we need to that we feel like we have to have as part of our life to feel like we're sufficient. You know, like if I don't have enough money, if I don't have enough prestige, or if I don't have enough fill in the blank, I'm not sufficient to be able to do something <clears throat> significant in life or to have a full purpose or something like that. Like that's kind of at least my thinking of when I was thinking about this theme and and making it part of our weekend. Um, the crazy thing about picking this whole theme was I picked it two years ago <laughs> before COVID and yet, you know, still using it now, but it's just as true now in terms of how we are tempted to think about who we are in relation to other people in the world. But the good news that we have here that Paul makes known to us is that our sufficiency isn't found in and of ourselves. It's found ultimately in, in God and in through Jesus. So Mitch, what are your thoughts on just that idea, that theme, um, yeah, what do you think? Uh, so I think there's two different ways to look at sufficiency, and one is between us and God, and one is a, is the way God calls us to act with others or our neighbor. So I think the first thing is in our own lives and our relationship with God is understanding that Jesus is enough. Like there is no, oh, my, yeah, he's going to want to get on my lap. There is no... There is no Jesus plus doctrine. It's not Jesus plus works. It's not Jesus plus anything else. It's understanding that 
his sacrifice was enough for us to tear the veil and give us access to God's presence. Um, and then the other way of looking at it is, you know, we're all called to be a priestly nation for the benefit of spreading God's glory to people who don't know him. We're called to be examples of Christ, to evangelize, to bring people uh, toward the good news of Jesus. And sometimes we think we're broken. Sometimes we think we can't do it. We don't know what God has planned for us. But the idea is that Jesus is sufficient to use us wherever we are for his benefit. And that doesn't that doesn't mean that we don't play a role in that. We have to be intentional about being present in other people's lives. But um, ultimately, we can be used by one who is perfect, um, even in the midst of our own imperfection. So I think in that way, there's also sufficiency that is realized by Jesus. So those are my opening thoughts on it. Yeah, one other thing that drove this theme, uh, one of the elements for Merge Madness that we're incorporating into the weekend for students is we've invited really the the same group of people that we invite for what we've called the Jesus Prom in the past or we call the Christmas Gala this last uh, last, uh, winter, fall, somewhere in there. Um, Winter, I guess. Well, it was almost winter. Around Christmas time, before Christmas. But the same people that we invite to Jesus Prom or the Christmas Gala, we've also invited to take part in this event. And uh, one of the groups that specifically comes to Jesus Prom is a group that's from the Challengers, which is located in the Niagara County area, Lockport, that kind of area. And they historically have done a lot of sports-related activities for individuals with special needs or developmental Uh, disabilities, things like that. And one thing that we wanted, I wanted to try to incorporate into this event was to have, invite them to come and participate. One, to allow them to do something that maybe they don't normally get to do, but to expose students to the reality that people don't live like they do all the time as well. But it also can be kind of uncomfortable having to interact with somebody who's not like you. And we were actually talking about this yesterday when we were talking about this whole topic. And uh, one of the things that comes up with special needs stuff a lot of times is, I I think people mean well by this, but this attempt to try to find some meaning and purpose in something like a, a mental or a physical handicap or disability and to say like, well, that's what makes those that person special. I get where people are coming at and saying that. And yes, those people are special just like any other person is special. They're special because they're a human being made in God's image. They didn't need the disability or anything like that to make them special. Just like you don't need, you're not special because you have whatever quality or something attached to you. Just like you were talking about like Jesus plus like, it's not about having something that's a part of us that makes us special. We're special in and of the fact that we're created as human beings made in God's image. And we all have our our flaws or shortcomings or whatever it may be in some form or fashion. It may not be a mental or physical uh, disability, but it could be that we fall short in a lot of other ways. And that, that's, not, that's not to say like a mental or physical disability is like something sinful. I'm just saying like we all don't live fully into the ideal of what, 
God created life to be in a lot of different ways. And some of that's not due to our own doing. It could be because of other people's impact on our life or something that has snowballed all the way down from history that we catch the ramifications of it. But my point is, is that what makes someone special is that they're made in God's image. And so we are all sufficient as human beings, but ultimately because God sees us as sufficient, but we're sufficient because he's present in our life. He wants to be present in our life and he wants to utilize us for cool and awesome and meaningful and purposeful things. And so that was the other reason of also using this as the theme for this event, because we're going to be interacting with uh, special needs individuals and to encourage students that, you know, we are sufficient, you know, we're sufficient to engage with, with people with special needs. Cause I think one temptation for students is like, well, I don't know what to do with special needs individuals. Like what am I supposed to do? Like, you don't need to be able to do anything like, yes, you can, but being willing to be present and showing them that they're important and valued and all that stuff is really all that, that needs to be done. And God has given you all that you need to be able to do that. You are sufficient because of him to be able to do that. Just as those individuals are sufficient in who they are because they're someone with dignity made in God's image. They don't need anything else added to make them meaningful or purposeful either. So, Anyway, that, that's one other thing that kind of goes with this theme that we're using for this event. But it also highlights how all of us are challenged to think about where does our dignity and purpose in life come from? Is it from something we think we do that brings value to our life and that's why we see this purposeful? Or is it simply because we are made in God's image? Like he has gifted us purpose because he found it good that we exist to begin with. And that was of no doing of our own. Yeah. Do you have I'd, any follow-up thoughts to that? We're, I mean... Or something different. <laughs> just even in the way that Jesus acted, I mean, pretty much showed us that if you're alive, you're valuable. I mean, you're made in God's image. You count. Even if other human beings say that you don't, Jesus has shown us that you do. And that's simply because you exist. You are made in God's image. It's not because of any other qualifying circumstance. So, yeah, that's just a way of agreeing with you, I guess. Yeah, I mean, a parallel issue to this is why followers of Jesus find you know, babies who don't end up, you know, making it full term or, you know, are unborn children, how they have meaning and purpose is because they're still a human being, even though they haven't been able to, like, contribute something to society. They, it's not that they have meaning because they were able to contribute. They have meaning because they are a human being made in God's image. And so the, the same thing parallels to a lot of other issues that people deal with or that we deal with on our own where we think we're not enough or we lack or whatever it may be. Um, but ultimately, like, our meaning and purpose comes from God. That's ultimately – and that's what Jesus reveals. That's what Paul is saying Jesus has revealed to him. Like, Because Paul is saying, like, well, if I just didn't have this thing, then I'd be fine. And it seems to be that Jesus is saying to him or God's saying to him that you're sufficient enough, even with this limitation because of me working in and through you. And so can we trust that whatever that thing is for us, whatever that maybe that thorn is for us, or um, maybe for somebody else, do we still trust that Christ, that Jesus is sufficient for us to bring us into a meaningful and purposeful and full life? So I th I, that's encouraging, and that that's good news that we can take away from 
this passage specifically, I think, um, which is not at all like what we see in our culture. Cause I think our culture, the culture around us would be very contrary to this to be like, well, no, you need to fill that gap with whatever. Um, and God's saying, or Jesus is saying like, no, I am like, I am all that you need. Um, you don't need something beyond me. And yet, you know, we're constantly like, well, no, I need, you need to have this, or you need to have this, you know, prestige or this recognition, or you need to accomplish this or have this amount of money or whatever it may be to feel like you can be meaningful, have a meaningful life or a full life or a purposeful life. And yet Jesus is saying like, no, like, let me, you know, make that happen and, and happen for you. But according to what I see is good and filling for your life. Yeah. So I think the practical call to action for our viewers is more, you don't have to wait to plug in and be present with people just because you think you have some kind of deficiency. Like Paul is saying, I mean, you can just be present with people and God will show up in and through you. Yeah, I mean, the same thing could be said. I mean, we were even talking about this before about one of the things I hear sometimes is like, well, I could never work with students or same thing of like, I could never work with kids. Yes, and, and maybe you could you say that because your standard is like, if you're looking at like a teacher who's gone through all this education, you're like, well, I'm not them. Well, yeah, you would. I can see why you would say you can't do that. But what if that's not the criteria that's the standard? it's a standard that has been put out there, but it's not the standard in terms of just relating or a young person finding value in you being there with them. Ultimately, we all want to feel like we're just not alone in life and an adult being present there with a young person is probably all the meaning they need. I mean, yeah. Could you add teaching or explanation or some, a bunch of other things to, or show them something specific of how to do something that they don't know how to do? Yes. But that doesn't happen if you just being present doesn't happen first. Uh, I was listening to something on my way uh, before we started recording, and uh, this pastor was talking about this kind of paradigm they use for their church to help mobilize or equip people to reach out to people who don't know Christ. And they use the acronym BLESS. And BLESS, in a different interview, they talked about how like the B is like, uh, well, we couldn't think of a better thing but like begin with prayer even though like prayer doesn't begin with a b but begin with prayer is the the b of bless and then l is listen and then e is eat and then s is service and then the second s is your story and the guy explaining this was saying how a lot of the intimidation he thinks that a lot of people have for not engaging people with you know, a testimony about Jesus is like, they think they have to do it like a sermon or just some sort of like formal thing. And he's saying like, but if your intentionality is just to bless others, but it's one to be in prayer of letting God guide you who to be around two just to listen, listen. He goes, part of there's already the problem. He goes, normally we're known Christians are known more for probably they're talking more than they're listening. So he's like, if you could start with listening, you're then going to have your ears perked up to like, Oh, that's where they have needs in their life. So then it's like, well, that's where you can step in and be with them present and things like eating or eating meals or whatever it may be. And then it's also where you can be observant of like, oh, that's how I could serve them. And then he's like, only in and through those interactions, do you get to then share your story? He goes, but what's 
actually interesting is that, or one person when they were talking about this was saying like, what ends up happening is, is not as much that you have to force your story out as much as your story almost gets drug out of you because your life then spills into this other person's life and it becomes known like, well, where does your hope come from? Why do you function the way you function? Why do you do the rhythms and habits and things that you do? And so it's going to come back to Jesus if that's the way you're living your life to begin with. And, but all of that is simply just more or less being present with people. There's not like this huge, like drawn out plan of how you're engaging with people. It's simply being present. Yeah. Um, and it's allowing God to work in and through the situation and to kind of uh, equip you along the way. I mean, yes, you have to participate, but, um, it's allowing him to do a lot of the work kind of behind the scenes, if you will, or kind of from, a the invisible spiritual work that, um, none of us could probably pull the strings enough to make happen on our own anyway, because ultimately it's, it's him drawing people to himself. We are the conduit for, for that to happen. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting, just kind of parallel to what we were talking about of just a very practical way that, that, that actually happens. I think that, that we could utilize even in our own life. So if you want to remember the acronym blessed and um, utilize that by all means, go for it. And I think it could be helpful. Yeah. I don't have anything else to add. All right, what are we doing next? It's time for the One Six Eight News Desk, where we talk about. I can't do it. <laughs> where we talk about what's caught our attention recently in the news, and we stretch the meaning of the word recently quite a bit. But that's and okay. maybe the news, <laughs> and maybe the news, what we consider news, uh, just just a way to talk about current events. Um, for me. I was very uh, excited and giddy like a schoolgirl to see that Von Miller signed with the Bills. That was very impressive um, considering how much of a playmaker he is, how consistent of a playmaker he's been, and how much he actually wanted to come here. Uh, it was just really cool. So I don't have much beyond that. So go Bills. Yeah. Yeah, one one story that has stood out to me, or I guess you could say I've l- listened in on – people's conversation about it is football related as well, but it's a little bit broader than football with sort of the gravity of it. And it's Deshaun Watson getting traded from the, I about said Houston, some other team, but the Houston Texans, <laughs> about said baseball or something like that. The Houston Texans to the Cleveland Browns. And it's been a controversial thing just because of all of the accusations being thrown at Deshaun Watson from various women and his engagement with them and whatever that's actually, whatever actually did happen or didn't happen there. Um, It's a crazy story. And and in that, like, I mean, there's just a whole lot of things that are just like, where do you even start? Cause on one hand there's like this sort of, I mean, there is this moral thing that that's part of his life. But his life also entails playing football, which is tied to this monstrosity of a system within the NFL and all its money and how the all the contracts work and the risk and all that kind of stuff. And so he didn't play just last year, I think, or I think or was it more than just last year? I'm trying to remember now. I know he at least didn't play last year, but it was because of all this stuff going on and it being like litigated essentially. Um, but he more recently just didn't get indicted, but there's still the civil stuff that's kind of the still work through the the court system. And so the Houston 
basically didn't want to deal with it. So they're like, well, we'll, we'll trade you essentially. So he kind of became a free agent without entirely being a free agent to some degree because like they didn't necessarily want him. It seemed like, so it's like, well, we'll, we're going to get something for you in, in, in some form or fashion. And it seemed for a while there that he would end up with probably some other team. And eventually he ended up with the Browns and it seems, I mean, maybe it'll come out differently if he ever says, but it seems like the amount of money they threw at him was probably a large part of why he went there. Cause it's like crazy money. Like, and money talks. I mean, it's just the world we live in. I mean, or at least for a lot of people, it, it speaks. And so he went to a team that you wouldn't think he would choose if, you know, it kind of came down to him choosing. And so on one hand, it's like Cleveland got this should be super good quarterback, but it comes with all this baggage at the same time that like nobody really wants to have to deal with. And so it's been controversial. I mean, even for fans, fans of Cleveland specifically, you have people who are like, yay, we've never had someone of this caliber, but like, oh man, grit my teeth. It comes with all this baggage too. And should I even want to be happy about this because of what it's tied to? And, and it just comes all the way back to the whole dynamic within our culture now of what happens to a person amidst accusations and the whole like figuring out what actually did happen, didn't happen and innocent until proven guilty and kind of that whole dynamic in our culture. And like, that's the innocent until proven guilty thing is like there in our culture, but like practically it's like you're guilty if you're just accused of it until you can prove yourself innocent. And so that's kind of where we are. And on one hand, I think personally, as much as you can't ever divorce someone's actions personally from a lot of the other things they do to me, one of the biggest issues with the whole Deshaun Watson thing has been ultimately people are not sure they don't want to endorse something immoral. Like, especially if women were mistreated in the process, which I get and and I, I get that and support that. But then they're like, well, I'm also just not going to not watch the NFL because on one hand they're like, well, the NFL has not handled this kind of stuff well to begin with. And it's like, well, I'm not going to not, I'm not going to give up the NFL. So I can't go all the way to saying it shouldn't ever happen. You know, the, a player can't still play when there's been, a, a, you know, many other players who've had similar things. And my thing is just like, there's, there's gotta be a little bit of degree to where this is like a personal thing on his end. And then there's the NFL playing dynamic that's separate, which I think is what something like the Cleveland Browns are trying to doing trying to do but i also get that there's public perception and like what do they support not support and all that stuff that comes into it and part of the problem is just like publicly our culture wants the organization of the nfl to be able to hold the weight of all these different things and it's just not something that can hold that it's not it's not meant to be like a moral arbiter of a bunch of things it's not meant to be like a judicial system like it, we want it to function as almost like a tiny nation and it's just not meant to hold up to that kind of thing. Um, so like to me, there's gotta be a little bit of grace with that, but I mean, I get the NFL doesn't need a lot of grace with a lot of stuff. Like they have their own issues in a lot of other ways. So it's not like they're innocent, but yeah, I mean, it's just a sticky situation altogether. Um, but that's definitely one story that, that has stood out. And um, so I think on one hand there is some, like if you're a Cleveland fan, there's, some excitement there of like what could be the possibility. And, but then there's also the like, like, what do you do with that? And it's, but again, it's like who of us doesn't have issues that we wouldn't want to be made public that like we still go through normal life with them just because people 
don't know them. They don't, you know, judge us by them each and every day. But because his stuff's out in the open, he has to deal with that. And I get like your our decisions have consequences, but um, yeah. So that, that's been a crazy story to to follow. And um, yeah, I mean, it it touches on a whole bunch of different things. Like, at what point are you not allowed to like or benefit from a person purely because their actions? reflects something different. I mean, this kind of touches stuff like, am I allowed to shop at X store because one of their practices maybe isn't as ethical down the line? Like, am I contributing to that by doing business with them? I mean, it's kind of like one of those kind of things. And like, how much of that stuff do we do all the time that, but like with this, like, you know, no, no, we can't support. It's like, we probably contradict that in a lot of ways all the other time, but we just don't think of it that way. But so yeah, that's definitely one story for sure. Yeah. Do you have anything else? No, I agree with what you said for sure. Anyway, long-winded answer there, but that's one story <laughs> for sure that I, I've been following. So, all right. Thank you everybody for joining us for this episode of the 168 podcast and we'll catch you next time. See you later, 168ers.